Before we get going with this week's show, a word from a few of our friends. Let's begin with Race Lens. We are happy to be partnered with Race Lens and are excited to announce two new promotions for new and existing Race Lens customers. New customers. Sign up for an unlimited Race Lens monthly subscription and get the first month for only $1. Promo code in the money, all one word. That's for new customers. For current or former customers, a special offer for in the money listeners. Come back and try or extend your current plan over at Race Lens and enjoy 40% off any unlimited Race Lens subscription. Promo code in the money 40. Again, all one word. To learn more, head on over to in the money slash race lens. Betmakers, we are getting closer and closer to the Haskell Stakes. That'll be next weekend at Monmouth Park. Betmakers, certainly something you can get down on while you're there at the track and soon enough in the state of Jersey. Fixed Odds Betting, powered by Betmakers, is back and in effect at Monmouth Park, and the early returns are fantastic, with 70% of the winners paying more on Fixed Odds than they are on the tote board. Soon, Fixed Odds wagering will be available throughout the state of New Jersey. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You will continue to hear more about Fixed Odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network, again, with the marquee event at Monmouth Park happening next Saturday in the Haskell Stakes. We'll talk about that next week's show. And last but certainly not least, our friends at TaylorMade. TaylorMade partnerships provide an unmatched entry and experience into both the racing and breeding side of the thoroughbred industry. Now you can be a part of top-level racing and breeding with all the rewards and less risk and cost. Medallion Racing has enjoyed great success through the years, with 66% of starters running in graded stakes and 25% in grade ones. Last year, Medallion was fortunate enough to have an impressive four Breeders' Cup starters. Similarly, our Bloodstock Investments have discovered great value on the breeding side of the game, buying and selling such standouts as Improbable, Fast, Cutting Humor, and Flame Away, among others. Join us and experience the thrill with us, your family, at TaylorMade. Now, on to this week's show, episode one. What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, July the 11th, 2022. It is episode 122 of this pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can watch along over on YouTube, search bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 121 prior while you're over there. Please rate, review, subscribe, specifically subscribe. Make sure that bell icon is lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel, whether it's this show, the Players Pod, Horse Player Happy Hour, which will be back this Thursday. I can't tell you which race is exactly just yet because we haven't hammered it down. Uh, but, but you can probably take a guess what track will be featured prominently regardless of what the actual format is uh, because we'll be talking about opening day at Saratoga here momentarily in the show uh the same goes though for the podcast feeds please subscribe give us a bit of a rating one through five whatever it may be i don't care if you give me a one or a five or a three or a four or two doesn't make a difference just any kind of interaction is always appreciated it helps us when we talk to our friends who help and sponsor they like to see numbers and interactions and that's why i ask you to give thumbs up thumbs down whatever it may be over on youtube Uh, the more the merrier 
we just appreciate the interaction and the acknowledgement that, hey, you guys are here and listening. So uh, thank you for all the support, continued support throughout the years. Uh, this week's show, I'm going to break it into three different spots. Some handicapping. We have cards out for opening day at Saratoga on Thursday. We have the Friday card as well. I thought about doing full sequences, thought about doing a few different things. I'm just going to stick to the stake. We're going to go with the opening day Skylerville on Thursday. We're going to go with the Forbidden Apple on Friday. A couple of really nice races. I'm going to show you some past performances. I have them all marked up. Uh, I can show you a few replays maybe depending on how I can get the tech to work uh, and what's available to us on YouTube. And after that, we will wrap up looking ahead to my favorite event Maybe in all of sports, it's really close. Uh, the Open Championship, the 150th Open at St. Andrews, at the old course. Um, my One of my favorite towns that I've ever been to, arguably my favorite town, uh, arguably my favorite course I've ever been fortunate enough to play. The old course, played there a few years ago. Just I love everything about it. I love early morning golf on the East Coast. I feel bad for the West Coast folks. This is the one time I feel like West Coast sports viewing, you guys kind of get the shaft because I enjoy, especially now with a baby, I'm going to be up anyway. And I think Thursday coverage starts at 4 a.m., something like that. Like, perfect. Phenomenal. Couldn't ask for anything more. Um, so looking forward to that. Again, it's my favorite week of the year. Uh if you're not a fan of golf or betting on golf, you can sign out, sign off right after we talk about the Forbidden Apple. Uh, PTF and I, for what it's worth, will be talking more Saratoga on this week's happy hour. We'll be talking about the pick six on Saturday up at the spot. But we'll be wrapping up this year, or this year, this show, this pod here, uh, with some open talk and a selection. One that I don't, he's not one of my favorites, but I think he's got a big chance here this week. Um, so we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But. Again, this will start off with opening day. It's arguably, for a lot of people, it's sort of, um, well, it's one of their favorite days of the year, understandably so, because it kicks off the 40 days up at Saratoga. But I think it also is an indication or it signifies a bit of an uptick in just overall quality. And I understand many, many folks, especially those that have been around for more than a minute, they you know long for the days of Saratoga where it was genuinely just the best of the best you didn't see claimers or any of that kind of stuff um that's not reality these days unfortunately um but saratoga still represents a nice uptick it's fun being up there if you've never been to saratoga i think you do yourself a favor make the trek up there to upstate um it's just it's a fun experience i saw some people complaining about the new paddock bar you know i get it maybe not aesthetically what um what i think of when i think of saratoga but you know i'll be over there for sure i'm not gonna boycott it just because i think it looks a little out of place that's you know neither here nor there uh but saratoga is one of uh for a a horse player or again anyone that is looking to do i've never ever gone to saratoga whether it's with friends who gamble family members who gamble friends who don't gamble family members who don't gamble uh, friends that like the party, friends that don't like the party, family members that like the party, don't like the... I've never gone or brought someone to the track at Saratoga Racecourse and they didn't have a good time. 
it's just it's a great spot. The only time you can occasionally get a little bit of uh, womp womp is uh, if you get one of those, um, you know, traditional Saratoga thunderstorms that comes rolling through and, and dumps gallons on you. Uh, or it's, you know, 95 and humid. You catch it any other time. It's it's really uh, it's a really special place. So Saratoga opening day. We're going to start with that. We're going to go into the Schuylerville. Then we'll transition into Friday with the Forbidden Apple. And we'll wrap things up looking at this week's Open Championship over at the Old Course. Opening day feature at Saratoga race number nine. Two-year-old Phillies going three quarters of a mile. It's the grade three Schuylerville. Field of nine. It's a real interesting race. It's always an interesting race with these two-year-olds. Lightly experienced. Uh, sky's the limit. You never know what you've got. I talked a little bit. I actually, I tweeted on Friday about Saturday this past week at Prairie Meadows, uh, Tyler's Tribe. It's a phenomenal story. Jason Beam wrote an article uh, over on Twin Spires on Monday uh, discussing it as well. And it, the idea for me is, uh, Jason gets into the details and there's a, a clip about how the horse is named and it's a very touching story. But the the notion, I think anyone this time of year, if you've got a two-year-old that's shown any potential or promise, I mean, you never know. You could end up with a horse that doesn't amount to anything as far as stakes races are concerned. Or you could have, who knows, the Kentucky Oaks winner, Kentucky Derby winner. You, you never know. Anything can happen. And that's part of what makes, you know, you think of, of other sports, the... You know, March Madness or College World Series happened a little while ago. Whatever it may be, the the stars of tomorrow, you never truly know. Maybe the highly touted prospect doesn't fully develop into whatever anyone thought they were going to. And conversely, maybe the, the, the kid who was passed over for scholarships and this, that, and the other just continues to work on their game and they become, you know, the bee's knees. I think races like this, that's to me what these summer meets are all about what do some of these horses could we be seeing a breeders cup juvenile fillies winner in this race here who knows i'm going to go through the field as you can see this was pre-program numbers pre-morning line odds uh, so i write them all in and go through and i've i've made notations and things like that and we'll just take them right in post position order uh, just cindy down on the inside is one that's gonna be one of the I would say one of the more likely chances in here for Eddie Keneally. I can go ahead and spot shadow some things. I think always with two-year-olds especially, first thing you want to do is take a look at the pedigree. Okay, In this spot, you're looking at Justify Who, very limited data, but has had eight two-year-old starters, three winners in three seconds. Pretty damn good. Jenda's agenda is the damn. She won going first time out of the box, so... Certainly some win-early pedigree here. This horse did just that. One first thing out at Churchill Downs overcomes a slow split here to be able to go on and win by more than two lengths. Earns a 70 buyer speed figure, a 98 time form US rating, not factoring in the pace scenario. You can see Just Cindy was more than two lengths clear of the runner-up who came back and earned a 57 buyer in her next start. The fourth place finisher graduated next out with a 60 buyer. This is, while it's not in my past performances here, 
this is what my trip note in DRF's formulator product is. Um, I go through, I used to do it the opposite way, but now I found that this is just how I go about taking my notes, where I will download the PPs, mark them up, then go through, take my trip notes, they're stored in formulator, and then I just copy paste them into the PPs here. So out of the gate, hair slow, back stretch toward the rear, nudge the long three, four path, quickly moved up, far turn, mid pack, four, five path, uh, warming up, stretch run, loomed up, four wide, sent along, finished well, galloped out strong. I thought it was an educational and solid debut. Breaking from the inside, you're going to have to deal with something else here first time out of the box, but you get a Rad Ortiz. I could see Just Cindy certainly being a factor in here. Sweet Harmony for John Terranova. Uh, Terranova roughly 9-10% with first-time starters that go out and win. Uh, I know the two-year-old number here is, is not overly strong, and I usually look at that as a positive thing. When you get trainers who get horses that buck the trend, that do something different, than what the barn typically does, you typically want to take note. Uh, Byron, 17% with his two-year-old runners. The damn sweet Marini, she won first time out. So there is a little bit of early in this pedigree here. Uh, the concern, I don't care that the horse debuted down at Monmouth Park. Took a ton of money. The concern, what did this filly beat? The third and fourth place finishers have come back and earned buyer speed figures of 44 and 43 in their next start. And granted, Sweet Harmony was three lengths clear of the third and fourth place runners. But point being, um, but more importantly, and I know they can jump up by leaps and bounds early on. There are a number of relatively fast fillies in this race, and she's just considerably slower. That doesn't mean that she can't jump up and run a 75 buyer on, on Thursday afternoon. But even if she runs a 75, a 25 point improvement, some of these other girls have already done something close to that. And if there's any improvement from them, she's still not fast enough. Sweet Harmony is one that I had a hard time really seeing, but it's the beauty of two-year-old racing. Anything, anything, anything can happen. Mark Cassie's well-represented in this race. The three is Adora. Owned by Tracy Farmer, bred by Samson Farm up in Ontario. Uh, I was really taken by the performance. We'll go and look at the trip note first. All things considered, for a two-year-old running on synth, blasted out of the gate, pushed along, got up there, contested the pace, three-path, far turn, dueled on the lead, began to inch away, stretch run, rolled along, sent, bang, finished full of run, visually very strong. I thought it was a great, great debut. Now, the buyer comes back light, as does the raw Timeform US rating. And I say, I should probably stop saying raw. The unadjusted rating not factoring in the pace scenario the 60 buyer is not going to get it done the 79 time form us rating won't get it done more importantly though is this fact here that this philly ran extremely fast to earn that 79 time form us number i think it's probably a much faster rating and, and to be fair i haven't gone through and taken a look to see what the actual pace adjusted number is but I thought it was a really, really solid effort from her first out of the box. We can take a look at the pedigree. Into Mischief, 18% with the two-year-olds. The Dam was a stakes winner on Synthetic. There's a little bit of pedigree there. More importantly, and these are the sort of things that I think you really want to be looking at if you're looking at first-time starters or really any kind of form analysis. 
The third place finisher next out winner with a 57 buyer. Fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth in the field, their buyers in their next start were 22, 74, 51, and 31. None of that sounds overly sexy, right? But when you then look at this, those five horses, including the third place finisher who was the next out winner, they all improved their buyer's speed figures in their next start by 14 points, 2 points, 31 points, 39 points, and 20 points. Which makes me wonder if there's a scenario in which this debut effort for Adora is even better than the number would suggest. And if she does move forward, she's in with a big chance. Something else to factor in, as I do with all the PPs that I mark up, this is the Timeform US Pace Projector. And you can see she's forward on what should be a hot pace. No surprise. Two-year-olds, they like to run fast. They run, you know, they don't know what they're doing yet. Most of the time, it's how, how precocious are you, unless you've proven that you can pass horses. Uh, but she figures to be prominent. She may be the speed nearest the rail. I think she's interesting. I don't know if I'm going to totally go all in and pick her. She's one that I'm considering. Viderio the four is not one that I'm considering, and I don't mean that as a sign of disrespect. I just, well, first I made note of this. Anytime you can put five on the field going four and a half at the first call, that's something else. Uh, but she quickly moved up, looked like she was going to go off and win by 100, but then she had to dig in and she showed some resolve, and I thought it was a good effort. That was going four and a half. She picks up Joel Rosario here, stretching out to six furlongs. This is worth noting. She is a half to Vequist who won the 2020 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. So there's pedigree here. We see Daredevil, 10% with his two-year-old runners. The trip note, as I said, forward five, six paths, sprinted away from the field without asking, rolled in hand, and she had to dig in. She showed a little bit of guts. Note she was six clear of the third-place finisher, who went on to break her maiden in her next start, but she only moved up a point. She earned a 42 when she broke her maiden in the next start. In this race that we we're taking a look at, she earned a 41. The fourth place finisher in her next start earned a 19 buyer. This race, she had earned a 20. So I think the number is rock solid. I don't know that a 62 is going to be fast enough to win. And if I'm just comparing the three and the four, Adora and Viderio, to me, the 60 earned by Adora is more impressive than the 62 earned by Viderio, acknowledging that Adora ran on an artificial surface compared to dirt. Just something to keep in the back of your mind. I think, though, it, it is certainly uh, worth considering or taking into consideration when you're going through looking at these kinds of runners. Janice Joplin, what a name. Another Mark Cassie entrant in here. Uh, this is something worth noting. Gary Barber was not the owner of Joplin in her career debut. It was a different, totally different outfit. So I'm going out on a limb saying a private purchase. She's by California Chrome. Chrome, 13% with his two-year-old runners. Uh, you see the running line. It does not look particularly promising. A 42 buyer, a 55 time form US rating, uh, a, a early pace rating of 15. Uh, was 15 to 1 in the debut. Why are we even here? Well, you see this short note here saying off slowly. Um, I would say so. Uh, I wrote, blew the start. Whoops, hello. Try it again. 
blew the start, trailed three path, nudged along toward rear, moving evenly, just kind of up and down, uh, sent along at the top of the lane and ran greenly in behind the kickback, but finished quite well. It's an effort to me that is hard to make a call on. Now, look, I broke one of my own rules this past weekend with Haughty. If, if the horse you like on the tape, or you're intrigued with on tape, is slow, but it's going to be 15 to 1 or 10 to 1, take a shot. It's, it's worked for me in the past. It will continue to work for others. If that same scenario presents itself and the horse is a short price as haughty was or short enough, um, you probably should steer clear. And me, like a dope, did not do so in the Belmont Oaks. And she ran, um, let's say, uh, fairly, fairly, fairly horribly. Rather, rather putrid effort from haughty. Uh, but the fig didn't lie. She was slow. You can gamble when she's 15 to 1 that she can move forward. So Janice Joplin is not going to be among the favorites, I don't think. She should get pace. She's shown that she'll pass horses. She picks up Flavian Pratt. She goes out for Mark Cassie, second time starter. I'm not brave enough to pick her on top, but if you're playing an exact, a try, or a super in this race, I would certainly be using her underneath because I think there may be something more there than meets the eye. Me and my shadow, Mark Cassie again. Uh, from a buyer standpoint, is the fastest filly in this race. With a 78. I thought she was really good. Really nice effort here. Okay. Contested a lead on the inside. She was pressured. Sent along. Drew off impressively. Best stride late. I thought all things considered. Really solid effort. You see the pedigree. Violence. 19% with his two-year-olds. Uh, silhouette. A lot of synthetic on the bottom between her and the second dam. Will she dirt? Who knows? But the form is holding up from that debut. She earned a 78 buyer. Granted, setting slower fractions. Take a look and see here. There have been other horses to come out of the race and not run particularly well. But the second and third place finishers both came back and earned 64s in their next start. And me and my shadow was four lengths clear of them. So I, I have little question about the number, the 78 buyer. If she replicates that... She is among the likelier winners. If she moves forward, she is among, she's probably the most likely winner. I I still, for whatever reason, and, and maybe this is silly, of the Cassie trio, I like Adora the most, the three. Because I think her speed plays better than the others. Me and my shadow, running the, the sort of pace figs that she did in the debut. She's not going to be on the front. She's going to need to show that she can pass horses. And yes, she dug in well, and she arguably beat, you know, one of the best fields in here. But I, I just, I, there's a part of me that would be a little bit concerned about taking too short a price on a filly who will have to do a number of things for the first time. Different surface, ship out of country, probably going to have to pass horses, deal with some other pace early on. You know, th there are many things going against her and at a short price. If Adora slips through the cracks a little bit, no, she may not be as fast as far as the final time is concerned in that debut, but she had to work a hell of a lot harder. And as I mentioned, that whole field that's come back and run, they've all moved up pretty substantially. 
So let's say conservatively you tack on 10 to 15 points for Adora. It's really not that far off from me and my shadow. That's the way I'm handicapping it. You can agree or disagree. And is the case always, please leave your selection for this race beneath the video player on YouTube. And we'll say the same thing about the Forbidden Apple in a little bit. Let's move on to the outside runners. Motown Mischief. For Tim Ham. I not to be rude, she seems like one of the, the more unlikely in this spot. I think we've got some good fillies. I know the runner-up that she defeated in the debut came back, broke her maiden next out, and moved up from a 34 buyer to a 53. Let's say, let's say this filly does the exact same thing. Let's say she moves up 20 points. 58's not good enough to win this race. It's just not. There's other fillies that are faster than her. Um, I think Motown Mischief is in a tough spot. Uh, Music Man Sandy for Rudy. Accelerate, limited data, but 16 two-year-old starters. He's got two wins, a second and a third. Full Moon Frolic. The second dam was a first-time starter who also won a stakes race. So there's a little bit of early pedigree there. Uh, so far to this point, the Delaware field that she defeated, not great. Not great. Uh, and she's another that just on numbers alone right now, she is on the slower side. And I just think there's other quality speed in here that could end up cooking her goose a little bit early on. And then we get to, I believe, the morning line favorite, and or maybe the second choice. Um, but the most intriguing runner in the field to me. And not because I think I want to bet her, because if she is that short, she loses some appeal. But I, I could say pretty fairly, I think, that she is among the likeliest, if not the likeliest, winner of this race. That's Summer Promise for Wayne Lucas. Let's start with the pedigree. Ooh, hello. I'm still here. Uncle Mo, 18% with his two-year-olds. The damn dream of summer. She was a grade one winning dirt router. So you see that pedigree, you automatically think long, right? That's before you even go in and look at the siblings. She is a half to Vexatious who won going long. She is a half to Destin. We know what Destin did in a race like the Belmont. And Creative Cause, who was a good, proper dirt router. Now, this filly won her career debut by five lengths. She was bet down to odds of 3-2 to two at Churchill Downs on June the 25th. She has since come back, and her only workout since was a bullet in 46. Okay? She's clearly feeling herself. She picks up Luis Saez. From a trip note standpoint, this is what I have written. Hair slow out of the gate. She was hustled along, moved up the wood to contest the lead. Far turn on a pressed lead. One path in hand with ears pricked. Stretch run. She rolled along, given her cue, kicked away smartly. Won like a good thing. Why is all this any different than one of some of the other horses and trainers and entrants that we've talked about? We bring in the Lucas factor. For as good as Lucas is, for the past five years with first-time starters, he is two for 112. Let me say that again for those of you that are just listening. Although if you are listening, maybe you want to head to YouTube and check this one out because we have all these graphics and these videos up. Past five years, first-time starters, two for 112. And only 11 of them have hit the board. So what this filly did is very abnormal for the barn. And this is very much in line with Tyler's tribe, bringing it back to Saturday night. 
That was a gelding who went out for a barn that over the past five years won first out, I believe, 5% of the time. They're not usually cranked up and ready to roll. And that horse won his debut going four and a half by 17 lengths. And then he came right back and he beat Stakes Company with connections that we all are familiar with in New York. And he beat them by eight and he earned an 85 buy or something like that. When horses do things that are sort of outside of the realm of what their connections typically do, that's when you take note. That there may be something different about this one. So with this filly, past five years, first time starters. Lucas is two for 112. 11 in the money finishes with a 13 cent ROI. Now I was curious. Past five years, second time starter. In the money, last out. Three for 15, six in the money, 152 ROI. So the numbers move up pretty significantly. And I must have butchered that first number there because it should be 15 in the money as I was making my notes late last night at 1230 in the morning. But the point is, three for 15, six in the money, 152 ROI. If the horses hit the board in that first time start, second time start, they're rather likely to go out and win. I say rather likely, it's a small sample, but three for 15 is not bad. She basically has done things that she's not supposed to given the hands that she's in. And she did that going five furlongs. This is a filly that's supposed to want to go a mile and an eighth. Summer Promise is extremely promising. Would not be surprised at all if she were to win this race uh, and continue what's been a great season for Wayne Lucas. And if she does, and does so impressively, she probably is the early favorite for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies at Keeneland. I'm torn between saying I would just pick her and go with Adora for Cassie. Adora's going to be a much better price. And I think her speed plays. I will say, though, look at that pace projector from Timeform US. The 9 and the 3. And... We have seen many times with babies. They haven't had to pass anyone yet. And when that's the case, you can occasionally see two-speed numbers. I am not sold just yet how I'm going to play it, but I am leaning to a 3993 sort of exacta with Janice Joplin and just Cindy underneath. So maybe it's a double key. Superfecta. Bang. You ready? 3-9 with 3-9 with 1-5 with 1-5. You're throwing out a couple of the chalks. You're keying some things around. You're playing around with it. Uh, that's how I'm looking at the Skylerville. Either the 3 Adora or the 9 Summer Promise. Let me know who you like in the opening day feature at Saratoga on Thursday. Now, we will focus on Friday's main event, graded stakes on the turf, the Forbidden Apple. Shift our attention to Friday, the featured event, race number nine, a mile on the inner turf. It's the grade three Forbidden Apple. For older horses, the headliner in here is set piece for Brad Cox. Uh, he's he's rock solid. There's really not a lot to knock about this horse. Um, he's 
incredibly consistent, as you can see by this run of 100 buyer speed figures. You more or less know what you're going to get from him. He should get a fast pace based on the pace projector. He comes out of a solid enough effort where he was chasing slow fractions over a turf course at Pimlico on Preakness weekend that was arguably... I mean, it wasn't nearly as speed-friendly as the dirt was, but the turf, it was it was pretty difficult to make up to make up real ground. And you can see my trip note up here at the top in the yellow highlight, more or less saying simply too much for the group that he ran against in the dinner party. I think this is a considerably di more difficult group. Um, it's a it's a pretty salty group. Maybe when you look at the names at first glance, you go, all right, well, it's fine. It's a it's a grade two or a grade three. I think this is a pretty solid group of horses. Uh, set piece, I would be very, very leery of taking a super short price on him. Uh, he should get the run of the race, and he's good enough on his best day. I would expect uh, a 100 buyer or a 101 to, to be right there. I think there are a handful of horses that can do that. He is one of them. I don't know that I need a super short price on him as the favorite or one of the favorites, uh, but he is uh, very clearly a logical runner. Uh, Wolfie's Dynaghost, as you can see first from the Timeform US pace projector, figures to be forward, uh, chasing that hot pace. The concern I would have is he does his best, I think, when the pace is a bit more moderate. I mean, you can go through these last couple of races here. You know, things have been, well, they were certainly on the more moderate side in the poker, borderline impossibly slow. He still couldn't hang on. Granted, Mason is a good horse. Uh, but two back in the seek again, he had to go a relatively honest clip, and he packed it in. And his only win, or wins lately, anyway, are these two races here. One at Gulfstream Park on synthetic, one at Tampa, where he sat off of slower fractions on the turf and took over and won. And then the synthetic, you know, do with that what you will. That's his only career effort. Uh, I don't think he's good enough to win, but I think he plays a key role in this race the way it's run because the pace scenario, I think, will be to his undoing, but in then in turn helps set piece and anyone else coming from off of it, uh, including Mirror Mission, who's really turned into a great, not great, that, that's aggressive. He's turned into a very good gelding here as a four-year-old. Uh, his last three races are all rock solid, three consecutive triple-digit buyer speed figures. They all came without Lasix. That's going to be a critical aspect of this race, especially when we get to one horse in particular. The Turf Classic that he exits, very, very solid. Santine came back, earned a 100. Adamo came back, earned a 103. Fifth, seventh, and ninth place finishers were all next out winners with buyers of 108, 88, and 95. Uh, there's really not a lot to knock about Mirror Mission other than the price. You know, it's one thing when you're getting these numbers on him, 8 to 1, 24 to 1, 8 to 1. I would assume, without having looked at a morning line, I would assume he is, boy, no, no more than 5 to 1. I wouldn't think. Set piece, it's a big full field. Set piece is going to take money in here. Mirror mission is going to take money. Analyze it'll take some money. Public sector will be bet. A tone probably takes some nibbles. 
I, yeah, I, I would think five to one for mirror mission. Nine to two, somewhere thereabouts. He's fast enough to win. Um, I, I just feel like he's the kind of horse that I would I want a better price in a race where he has no discernible edge, in my opinion. Put it that way. Yes and yes. Uh, interesting that they're going to run him here. You know, 0 for 4 over Saratoga Turf. Not great, but not the end of the world. Uh, my bigger concern is the distance. How far does he want to go? They have campaigned him primarily in turf sprints. You take a look at a couple of his route races recently. And when I say the distance that I'm, I'm worried about, it's it's this. He's forward, 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 and then he just can't quite seal the deal. Granted, mile and a 16th versus a mile. Maybe this is going to be all the difference. I think he's just another part of the pace. I think he's forward. He's in great form, and I don't fault David Donke or anyone taking a shot here i just think he's probably going to contribute to the pace scenario and i think it's going to be to his undoing and again helping the horses come from slightly off of it make their run clear vision i don't have a great deal to say he has some good races on his page he's a graded stakes winner from earlier this year at gulfstream park going a mile um, i don't i don't love the form that he's in granted he's only run once off the bench and maybe you're going to get a forward move here but he's another one that you would expect to be forwardly placed, and you take a look at this most recent race, you know, me and Mr. C earns an 84 in his next start, Amen an 86, Hot-Blooded wins next out with an 85, but five of the six horses that have exited that race have regressed on the buyer speed figure scale. If that's the case, uh, clear vision, just not fast enough, plain and simple. Analyze it. Analyze it is the critical one in here if we are looking at this from a Lasix, non-Lasix standpoint. We can see that there will not be any Lasix for this race. That's just how it is. Unfortunately, for anyone who likes Analyze It, his two big duds recently are the highlight, the blue highlighted races. The Fort Lauderdale off of a layoff, so if you wanted to excuse him there, that's your prerogative. And then the Dangerous Hour, last April. Both cases, at the end of the race, he loses a tremendous amount of ground. All around him in those races, or the races surrounding those two, you see Lasix, and you don't see that really with the exception of the Shadwell, Turf Mile. The rest of it, he is right there. And you'll see, for that dangerous hour, last April, I have giant red circles around, short comment, says bled at the end. Uh, I, even if you think there's a chance that it's just coincidence that the two times he has run recently without Lasix, he's packed it in at the end. You have to acknowledge that there's a chance that this is what he is. That without the L, he bleeds. He's Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz. He's got big numbers on his page. Probably should have won the Breeders' Cup a couple of years ago or a few years ago at Churchill Downs. He's not that horse anymore. But... I would be terrified of taking this horse at a short price and at the top of the lane, he's in decent position and he packs it in because he started to bleed. He's not my cup of tea in here. These are the things that I'm looking for, though. I see two times he runs without Lasix. I see two complete flops. And I see in the short comment with one of them, bled. How, well, I mean, how am I supposed to think otherwise? Analyze it's not for me. Public sector, I, I thought for sure this is where I was going to land when I went through and did my homework. 
comes off the bench, runs at Churchill, doesn't pick his feet up, bet down to nine to two. You know, the Churchill turf, we know they, they stopped running on it, needed time to come in, maybe just hated it. Comes back in a paceless race in the poker, his uncoupled stablemate wins. But then I looked at that, and there's another horse we'll talk about in a moment, that public sector and he basically start at the same time, and they finished the same. And one is going to be a significantly larger price than the other, and it ain't going to be public sector. So there are positives here. He's yet to run overly fast. He's Chad Brown with a Rad Ortiz. I think many people will look at that poker and see the slow fractions early on, yet he still closes with a flurry. Boom, this is his spot. Oh, and by the way, he loves Saratoga. Can't argue any of that. I just wonder if he's going to be an underlay at the price he's going to be. I could see him being the second choice. Maybe that's overzealous. I haven't priced the race out. Maybe I'll, I'll bite my tongue and or you know kick myself for not going through and pricing it out before doing this. But just purely from going through the race, aside from him, I'm not really sure who would be the second choice. Analyze it, I don't. I don't think so. I could see him being the third choice. I think folks have seen a tone at this point. You know, I guess Mirror Mission could be. Maybe Mirror Mission is more like 7-2 to two instead of 9-2. to two. But I, I think Public Sector is the second choice. I think Mirror Mission's third. Public Sector can win. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. It's just I don't know that he's going to offer any value truly and if you liked him there's another horse in a minute we can talk about that maybe you should consider at what will be a much larger price i mentioned a tone a couple times to me not to be rude if he couldn't win with this setup in the dinner party i'm not sure how he's going to beat set piece uh you can see for that makers mark mile I, I had written in my trip note great trip never punched on uh, i think he's a good horse I, I could see him getting a piece of this i don't know that i believe he's good enough truly deep down to win uh, but he may get a little bit lost in the shuffle he'll certainly come up from that two to one that he was in the dinner party uh, but maybe you're back into the high singles low double digit range with a tone and you know he's not that far behind the main players in here he's just not for me get smoking i like this horse i think he's, he's quite good uh, i don't know what his real game is how far does he truly want to go um, he has big speed Again, adds to the pace scenario. Only lost by a head in a race that more or less the pace fell apart. Admission office comes back, earns a 91. Fourth place finisher comes back and earns a 93. I'm, I'm just not sure that I believe he's fast enough to win this race. Even with a perfect setup. Never mind the other pace that he's going to need to deal with and some of the other quality in this race. I like City Man. I, I think City Man is a classic, dirtied-up kind of horse. The Kingston, the most recent run, if you can or if you're in, so inclined, pull that up on YouTube. Um, miserable, miserable trip. Would he have won the race? I don't know. I think he probably would have. That's purely a, a speculative statement. Uh, but he is down on the rail. He is ready to run. Broke like a shot, and Rosario took him back. I have no problem with that. 
but he never had a chance to really, really cut loose, steadied multiple times down the lane. Uh, You know, he's kind of a, you know, uh, PTF would call him the international trip horse. Everyone saw. But I think the saving grace for a horse like this with a trip in his last run is that some folks will look at him and go, well, he's just a New York bred. Um, He's not really as good as the best of the best in here. And, you know, maybe he will go off at a high single as opposed to, you know, a seven to two or a four to one or a five to one. The Fort Marcy draw line through it was run over a bog. I, to me, there's nothing you can pull from that race. The Dangerous Hour earlier this year. I firmly believe if he runs that race, he can win on Saturday. Or excuse me, on Friday. If he runs that race, and I really have no reason to think he can't do that at Saratoga. He's won at Saratoga before. And to the point I just made, draw a line through the Fort Marcy because of the conditions and the Kingston he never had a chance to run. So if he can get back to that run from Aqueduct three starts back, which I'm expecting him to, he's tactical enough, he'll be forward but not up there among the pace setters, he'll get the jump on set piece and public sector and those types. I think City Man plays in here. I like him a lot. Uh, he will be my pick in this race. I like City Man. I haven't priced it out. But I think he's got a big chance to win. Scuttlebuzz. Uh, nice horse. Stakes winner, two back, going seven eights. I don't love the distance here. Should get some pace to run at. But I'm just not convinced that this horse is quite good enough to run with some of the others in this spot. Sanctuary City, if you take a look over here, this is the horse that if you like public sector, shouldn't you at least give Sanctuary City consideration because he finished in lockstep, chasing no no pace whatsoever. And I recognize as a five-year-old, we kind of know what he is. He likes to finish second or third more often than not. He's never run a race that I believe is truly fast enough to win. If, if, if a 95 is enough, then he certainly has a chance. I think it's closer to a 100. He's yet to show, show that he can do that. And maybe your argument would be public sector. There's still room for improvement. Upside, Chad Brown, X, Y, and Z. I'm just telling you on, on that run in the poker... I thought they both ran basically the same race. And this horse will be seven times the price of public sector. So, if you're playing exotics, maybe he's one to consider underneath. And Art Collector is the MTO. If this thing comes off the grass, you know, all bets are off. I'm I'm quite quite taken by City Man. Uh, he is, he's my pick in here. I'm very hopeful to bet him to win unless he goes off at some kind of a stupid price. But I think he's got a big chance in here if he can run that that dangerous hour. And even some of the other races he's run. You know, I, I know it was against New York Breds. But this race at Saratoga last year, that West Point, Jesus. Let's try it again. There it is. If he runs that race, because he will probably get a similar pace. I think that I think that can win in here. I do. I, I think I think this is a pretty good horse. So City Man, 
is going to be my selection for Friday's feature up at the spa. The Forbidden Apple. Mirror Mission can win. Set Piece certainly can win, as can Public Sector. Analyze it. I will. He's just one that if he wins, I, I tip my cap to Chad Brown, and I say, you did it again, Chad. You won again. Um, I just, the, the, the no Lasix thing is, is too much for me to overcome with him. Uh, but City Man, that's where I'm going to go in here. Let me know your thoughts, your selection, your opinion, your analysis of the Forbidden Apple and the Skylerville, or the Skylerville, if you only want to do one or the other. Beneath the video player on YouTube is the place to do it. I'm very curious to hear what people have to say about these two stakes races in the first two days of the 2022 Saratoga meeting. Now let's wrap up this week's show with a look to the open. All right, we're going to wrap up this week's show with some golf talk. The final major of the season is upon us. If you are not a fan of golf or betting on golf, totally fine. We'll talk to you next week as we get ready for the Haskell. Uh, if you are someone who enjoys a little bit of golf talk and a little bit of gambling talk, uh, stick around. This will be a brief segment. Uh, I had mentioned on a happy hour a few weeks ago there was someone who was going to Vegas um, who was mentioning, you know, oh, what should I bet on other than horses or whatever. And, you know, it's a, it's just it's a lean time of year. A lot of baseball, uh, some WNBA, and golf. And I guess Formula One and NASCAR, but you know, tennis as well. So I guess there are things, but it's not like... You know, when you've got NBA, NFL, hockey, you know, the tail end of baseball or, or, you know, there's other times a year where there are more options available. And I, when PTF had asked, he goes, you know, uh, any thoughts on, because I brought up the Open coming up in a couple of weeks. And I said, you know, Jordan Spieth, his form is not great. But, you know, the good news is at the old course, it's very generous as far as your where you can and can't hit the ball um like like many links courses like you know you got to avoid the pot bunkers but it, it's much more of a sort of um artistic course to me uh you can you don't have to length is always an advantage but you can hit different shots there are different ways to get to the green as opposed to just carrying it Think of PGA Tour, United States, you know, hit it as high and far as you can, lands, you know, like soft as anything and just stops. It's part of the reason I love European golf, but specifically Lynx golf, is the idea of you're 135 yards out, right? And instead of just grabbing a wedge, hitting it sky high and trying to stop it and spin it back, more often than not necessitated by the conditions, you're hitting some sort of a knockdown eight iron, you know, no higher than 30 feet and running it up there. And you're controlling spin, you're hitting different kinds of shots and you're putting from 30 yards as opposed to, you know, trying to nip something up there and have it just check and stop. So I like watching this kind of golf much more than what we have primarily here in the United States. There are some courses that here in the States that have linksy feels to them. Um, you know, but 
for for all intents and purposes, this is what Scotland does. It's phenomenal links golf. So Spieth, I think he can kind of scrap scrap it around a little bit. Um, but then I my fear was the price, and it's sixteen to one right now. This is Monday afternoon, early afternoon. I, I just can't I can't back that with with his sort of ups and downs. Um, and although he won at Harbortown earlier this year, he's still yet to really have a week where it feels like, all right, he's got it all together. So that kind of rules him out to me. Uh, Rory, look, if he wins, so be it. But he does, despite having won an open, he's not a guy that I think of with wind. Um, you know, depending on what you listen to, other golf things that are out there, you know, the wedges have always been kind of a struggle for him. But, you know, he he makes sense. He's probably playing the best in the world outside of Shoffley and Scheffler over the past handful of weeks. Uh, but 9-1, to one, I just, uh, I'm all set with that. Shoffley, again, coming in on a tear. I believe he's won two in a row, but if you include the Pro-Am, three in a row. So, you know, I mean, he's cooking with gas right now. Scheffler continues to play well. He, he wasn't great on Sunday, or I shouldn't say Sunday. He wasn't great for the final, call it 12 holes of the U.S. Open at Brookline. But I, he's number one player in the world, and he's been lights out. Justin Thomas, I could see him getting a little bit creative, hitting some, you know, little low cuts or, you know, doing whatever he needs to do to try to keep it out of the wind because the wind, I think, is going to be a thing. Sounds like gusts all week up into the 25-mile-an-hour range, which is phenomenal. That's my, my cup of tea right there. John Rahm. And I'm just going down the leaderboard, or the, the sort of favorites, and we will stop when we get to my guy, my horse. Rahm, no surprise. You know, on his best, he can certainly win. Um, 16, probably not terrible, but I just have a hard time going too short in a major where you've got the best of the best and, you know, but this would be a big one for for Rom to get if he could get that second major and um, you know a, a U.S. Open and an Open Championship. It's a pretty good resume for a guy that's not even thirty years old. I don't believe uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, winner of the U.S. Open, um, he makes sense. I'm not going to talk anybody off of him. Patrick Cantlay, I'm always leery about him in in the big big spots. Um, He's yet to do it in a major, and really his major play outside of the Masters has been meh. Uh, 20 to 1, not for me. Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry has, well, we know he's he's Irish. He has won an Open Championship. He has all those kind of creative shots. Um, you know, he's been very, very solid this year. I, I Certainly not one I would talk anyone off of at 22. But then at 28, you get to the guy that I'm going to go with. Uh, I've never been a huge fan, but I appreciate watching him play. And I'll tell you what, when when anyone on tour goes on a heater, because some guys do it more often than others, in a round, meaning stringing together birdies, I don't know that there's anyone that can do it and and go, like, fire hot, like Cam Smith can. Cam Smith can rip off seven birdies in a row without batting an eye. Just sets the world on fire. 
He won the players earlier this year when the conditions were garbage. He was in the final group with Scheffler at the Masters. Didn't play his best. He's had a couple of, you know, scruffy finishes between now and then. Missed the cut at the U.S. Open. But he played well enough at Southern Hills. Played well enough at Memorial. And then last week at the Scottish Open, he finishes T10. He opens with 68. In rounds 3 and 4, he goes 68-67. He only finishes 5 off the lead. And he shot 5 over in round 2. Shot 75. With St. Andrews being one of the easier courses that the big boys are ever going to tackle, depending on the conditions, but just for what the ballpark is, it's one of the easier tracks. If knowing that he can hit different shots, and as long as he doesn't do anything stupid, because it feels like he has a, a self-detonation sort of button that can he can, he can blow himself up, basically. If he can just keep it in check, and if he goes on any kind of heater at any point, I think I saw a stat that the last four opens at St. Andrews, well, I can't. The winning scores are are low, and if I need a guy whose fastball is elite, and when he gets cooking, Cam Smith's fastball is elite. He's twenty-eight to one. I think he's coming into this in sneaky good form, not the form that he was showcasing earlier this year when he won in Hawaii, and then again the players and the Masters and all that. But I, I think this could be a, a spot for him, and he's a fair price in my opinion. I like Cam Smith to win the Open Championship, his first major of his career. If you have any thoughts about the Open, who do you like? Beneath the video player on YouTube. you have thoughts on opening day at Saratoga, the Skyler Bowl? Beneath the video player on YouTube. you have thoughts on the Forbidden Apple? Grade 3, happening on Friday at Saratoga Beneath the Video Player on YouTube. You have questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, anything Beneath the Video Player on YouTube. Uh, however you listen, thank you for doing so. If you're not someone who's on YouTube, you listen your traditional podcast way. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Leave us a rating. If you're over on YouTube, thumbs up, please, or thumbs down if you want. Uh, make sure the bell icon's lit up so you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In the Money Media channel. That's going to do it for episode 122 of this show. I will be back on Monday as we get ready for more Breeders' Cup win and you're in action next weekend down on the Jersey Shore. I'll be heading down on Thursday getting ready for our show, NBC, I believe NBC or CNBC. Well, I'll look at the details for next week. But we'll be down there for the Haskell of winning your in for the Breeders' Cup Classic. You might see a couple of Chads. You might see Bob Baffert. I think it's going to be a good race. Don't know how big the field's going to be, but it's going to be top-heavy. There's going to be some real, real quality in that Haskell at Monmouth Park in about uh, what, a little less than two weeks' time. But before we get there, we've got opening day at Saratoga. We've got the Open Championship. We've got a lot of good stuff. Uh, until Monday, I'm going to come back for episode 123. Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 122 